This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where excitement is happening right now, Court, because we're back to actually having events in their breezeway in Lake Oswego. And the one that's really exciting is lobster and clam bakes. Quite a few dates all summer, July 10th, 24th. And then they go into August as well. You can go, uh, of course, on zupans.com and check out the dates and the prices and reserve there. And also, uh, instead of lobster and clams, how about flowers? Yeah, you can never go wrong with flowers. And this is something we've been talking about for a long time. They do this uh, every year and it's happening again. This is where you get hands-on floral design classes, uh, kind of a different approach every single time. And while you're doing that, you're fe- feasting on hors d'oeuvres and you're having wine pairings and it's a good time. And there's a bunch of these scheduled uh, at both the Lake Oswego and the Burnside locations throughout the summer. All you want to do is head on over to zoopans.com, click on the events tab, and you'll see the information about flora design and wine. And as you just talked about, Chris, you'll see when the lobster and clam bakes will be taking place. That is uh, something it's, it's exciting to be getting back with people and eating great food, not out of a box. So um, that's what you could do at Zupans right now. You want to check out the great deals at Zupans.com that they have every week. Um, but also just it's a great place to shop on a whim either in uh, on the Burnside store, Lake Oswego, or Macadam. And also, you can get all the information you need. As you said, Court, where? Zoopans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelis from Portland Food Adventures. And Court, why don't you just introduce yourself? You leave it to me. I'm being lazy. You could just say, and Court Johnson from, and we always have to figure out how to put it, but Alpha Media, the radio, uh, kink.fm, and, uh, and Portland, and Utah. Yeah. Formerly of Utah. For, formerly. Well, see, I'm coming on 10 years, Chris, where we've lived here in Portland. And so I, I think, what is it, 10 years where you can officially say you're a Portlander without somebody rolling their eyes at you? I don't know when that is, but I crossed that I crossed that threshold long ago. Yeah. I think I'm on, as a matter of fact, this month, we actually moved here in 2005. So, yeah, I'm going on 16 years. 16 years, years yeah. As an Oregonian, and as I always say, you and me both, we chose to be here. We had to move families to be here. It wasn't easy. We didn't just find ourselves in Oregon. So we appreciate those of us who moved here. We appreciate Oregon and Portland that much more, just a little much more, a little more than the people who've been here forever and sure. just never moved. Yeah. They're just lucky. Yeah. We didn't lock into it. We had to we had to strategize to get here. Right. So what we're saying, what so, we're basically saying is that Chris and I are Oregonians and there's nothing you can do to take that away from us. That's, right. that's what we're saying. It's only recently that I started to, you know, for a long time I think, why would anybody leave Portland? Why would anybody leave Oregon? And it's just this year when I started to understand, well, I guess I can see why. Sure. Or, or start to think about where I would go if I, you know, there was a nuclear disaster or something and I had to leave. Yeah. 
Um, but no, I still love it here. Everything about, especially now that summertime's here and we're eating cherries and strawberries and the weather is great and the sunsets are fantastic. Uh, no, it's a great time to and- be uh, an Oregonian and, and Portland is blossoming. The restaurant scene is coming back right now yeah that's uh, i was just gonna say the governor just kind of uh got rid of all of the uh capacity restrictions so uh as we head into this weekend and through the rest of the summer uh my hope is is that the uh the great portland restaurant scene that we all knew is uh on its way back with with enhancements which is one of the things we talk about in this particular podcast with uh kai ku of Danway Canting here in Portland, but he's also, I happened to catch up with him while he was in New York uh, working on a new project, which is Boki Soul. And um, we talk about that. And that has a lot to do with um, how things changed a little in the pandemic. And, you know, they're building a, a kitchen and a concept uh, largely for takeout, but it'll it'll go beyond that. I just thought it was interesting that, um, you know, we just talked about someone leaving Portland. He's not leaving permanently, but he's going to be there for a while in Brooklyn launching a concept. So uh, it was great to catch up with him. He's one of the really nice guys. And, of course, Denway Canting over there on, what is it, the, the street that comes down, I think it's 11th. I don't know. That feels Hold right. Let's, let's look this up. Let's look up the actual address because someone has to learn how to spell this anyway. D-A-N, there it is, D-A-N-W-E-I, which isn't that hard, but I'm actually doing this as I speak. So it is on, yeah, it's on Stark, 803 Southeast Stark, which would make it eight. I was off. Mm. Yeah, only so, a couple uh, of blocks there, Chris. Right. But the restaurant is running well in Portland uh, without Kai's presence, um, and that's great. Uh, but his family is here, and he misses him. So we're talking about his new concept, which is a um, is a Korean concept in uh, in Manhattan, no, in New York, and how that's going to build from there. So. Um, I thought it was fun to catch up with him. He happened to write me. He didn't know I was in New York. Um, and he happened to write me and tell me that he had been enjoying the podcast and keeping up with Portland through the podcast. At which point I said, hey, how about let's do one? And so we revisited Kai after we talked to him, I think, two years ago in July when he opened up his restaurant. And um you know, he's always got a lot to say, and uh, I thought it was an interesting chat. I will point out that having been in New York for uh, four days four days last week, that city started to open up, and boy, did it feel good to see people out and about and ordering coffee and restaurants without uh, distance restrictions and so forth. Um, I still don't understand, and I don't think I'll have to understand for very long, why it makes sense for someone to wear a mask walking to their table and then pull it off. I just, that, that to me seems like the old smoking, non-smoking section of an airplane. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, well, hopefully, you know, Chris, that's going to be a thing of the past. Cause as we, as we just talked about, we've, uh, unless the specific restaurants will still have a mask mandate statewide, that thing is gone. So 
Yeah, no, and hopefully we don't have to deal with this again because I can't wait for the day that I don't have to remember my mask. How many times have you walked back to your house or car and said, oh, shit, I forgot the mask? You know what? what's strange is it, it happened a fair amount early on, but uh, then for the longest while you just never left home without it and, you, and your your car was po- probably piling up with masks, which mine mine always were. But the last <laughs> the last couple of days, because I no longer have to wear a mask here in the office, um, I, I keep I keep forgetting it. It's almost I, I used to do the wallet check. I got my wallet in one side and my mask in the other. And uh, there's been a couple of times where I've made it halfway to the inside the store. I'm like, oh wait, I need to go grab it. But again, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm vaccinated, yeah, baby. Well, some, yeah, but some stores are still required. Yeah, which is fine. That's, and I actually, you know, this would be this is a horrific tragedy. Uh, in New York City, in Brooklyn, I went out to get my coffee, and the place, which was bittersweet, was had a line down the block, which on weekdays earlier, I could just walk up and get it. So the only other place I could go, I had to go inside, and I didn't have my mask, and they required a mask. So I just couldn't go with coffee that morning mm. because of the mask, the massive, the, inc- the worst consequence you can possibly imagine. Uh, one of the worst consequences, I, I suppose. <laughs> I know, I was yeah. kidding. So I got another consequence. Uh, just to mention, um, you know, we do our, we're this summer, we're doing two trips on the Snake River with Canyon Outfitters, one with Ringside uh, Steakhouse to take place, oh, three days from now. We're, we're launching on July 4th. Um, and then there's another one with Leaf Gildersleeve. You can hear the podcast we did with him recently. August 7th, um, for four days, he's going to be serving his food. And these folks at Canyon Outfitters have been doing these trips for 40 years uh, in Hell's Canyon. Well, two, um, some of my dear friends called to tell me that uh, one of them fell and broke his hip. And he will not be able to make the trip. They will not be able to make the trip, referring to two people. Um, and so that means we have two spots open right now for our trip August 7th. Uh, you can check that out at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the tab. Look for the uh, look for the trip with Leaf Gildersleeve. Check it out, and uh, you'll see how to contact me there. If you're interested in taking two slots that have been on a sold-out trip, uh, that it has been sold out for quite some time, so they just opened up. And uh, I know once Leaf puts it on his Flying Fish company um, Instagram or even an email, those two will go pretty quickly. Yeah. So I'm offering right at the fork listeners an opportunity to get in before those people do. There you go. S- snag it up before it's too yeah. late. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, back to the interview. Kai is a great guy. Hey, that's that rhymes. I didn't even know that. So um, I think everyone will enjoy this interview and uh, be interesting to see what happens with this concept. We talk quite a bit about eating out of a box and not eating out of a box uh, and where we're going with dining in not only demographically, but geographically and as well as what is uh, what's in store for the restaurant industry and how what we can uh, what we can expect with increasing costs, lots of different um, uh, factors are going into how we're going to be dining in the future. And I think this is an interesting conversation addressing some of that. 
Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022. To Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. And by... Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. Whether crafting cookware or cooking a meal, attention to detail can elevate the everyday into something extraordinary. Finex pays attention to detail to bring you inspiration and tools for a lifetime of meals and memories. Make the everyday extraordinary. Find out more at FinexUSA.com. Pretty ironic that you were in New York right when I texted you. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that's kind of why you might. Well, did you text me when I was there or when I was on my way? I don't remember. I think I, when you were here, I, I had no idea you were here. Um, it was when you were going to uh, uh, when, when you were going to Llama Inn that night. Yeah. You remember? <laughs> I was yeah, like, well, of course I remember. And it was like three nights ago or four nights yeah, ago. Yeah. It, was, it was incredible. Have you been to that restaurant? I haven't. No, no. I, I, and more I, uh, importantly, have you been to Yamasan? Not more importantly, but Yamasan was more. No, I. Right, that was the first one, right? No, that was the second one. So I'd never been oh, there. So I have not tried Nikkei food before, and that was oh, the okay. first time. Okay, yeah, no, I have been to neither one yet. Well, I, I highly recommend them, and I'm not sure if they're open on Sundays, which is your now I've learned is your day off. Yeah, but uh, you got to get there because they're pr both pretty special restaurants. And Chef Eric, cool. he's been you know he came from Eleven Madison Park, okay. so that explains why every or it's one of the reasons it explains yeah. why it was everything was pretty phenomenal. Nice. So yeah, no, it was good to be in New York, and I think I got out of there. Well, I came to one, I left one heat wave to get to another one. Yeah, but we're okay in Manzanita. Inside my house, it's getting to be in the just above 75 so that's okay what's the uh, temp on the coast right now well today it's Outside. supposed to get into the 90s which is very unusual for the coast uh, that is very, that is very unusual yeah i just went to blow some stuff off my deck and it was hot out there so yeah. um, portland's like at 112 or 115 for the high today it's crazy you know, there comes a point where you think oh i'm tired of hearing everybody talk about it but if you're in it you're going to talk about it there's no right. there's no doubt about it but yeah. anyway when was the last time you were in portland uh it has been about two months now oh so, yeah interesting yeah. so how much time are you living in new york now I'm I'm living yes and no. So I'm living here now uh, through um, it's kind of indefinite, but you know my son's still in Portland, so I'll be going back and forth. Um, we have uh, um, a place here, or I have an apartment here. Um, so yeah, it's the the plan is still 
you know, there's no definite plan yet. But the plan for right now is to really try to focus and get this New York project going. Sure. All right, so tell us about your New York project because we're going to uh, refer people back to the, our interview, which was July 11th of 2019. I just looked that up. That, is, that, is that when it was? Yes, yeah, so it was almost exactly yeah. two years ago that we talked yeah. about Denway, Denway Canting when you opened that and some of the yeah. particulars. And I really enjoyed that interview. Yeah, so those... we can refer people back to that to talk about cool. the genesis of all that. But yeah. now, you know, I, I found it interesting that I saw you were in New York and wasn't really familiar with the project you were working on. So yeah, no, we, we've, um, you know, we're still kind of in uh, early development as far as, uh, you know, stages were soft opened um, partially. Uh, but uh, basically I had an opportunity here um, to take over initially. Uh, it's actually a commissary kitchen. So there is no, you know, dining room. Um, and uh, basically with the partners there um, to develop a uh, an incubator kitchen, so mm -hmm. kind of the you know mission statement of the project is to just start it with one project, you know something that we could get off the ground fairly easily, um, you know, and get a base, but then eventually introduce because the kitchen is a pretty good size. Um, introduce you know um, maybe between two to three other projects that could work out of the same kitchen. And kind of really literally turned it into kind of a development concept, you know, where we could see what works, what doesn't work, and, you know, have kind of a platform really to like launch things with, um, you know, obviously, you know, in New York, space is a premium. <laughs> so rents are um, insane. Um, so, you know, a place where if whether it's me or, you know, another chef comes in to kind of he or she wants has an idea. Um, a place where you can kind of do it for, you know, um, a reasonable amount of money instead of having to spend a fortune on, you know, any kind of build out or, you know, um, like an insane amount of money on paying rent somewhere in Manhattan. Right. So, yeah, so is, yeah. this, is this something whereby you are looking for other people to just pay a fee or for some time for the. Um, no, not, not, you, not you necessarily for these businesses. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, not necessarily pay a fee. Uh, we're, like I said, we're still developing the program. I mean, I'm learning every day, um, you know, kind of the still trying to figure out the direction we want to go. Um, but our first concept that we're opening now, it's actually, it's a Korean fast casual concept called Boki Soul Food. <laughs> like Soul, okay. like the cap, Boki. Uh, it's, so it's B-O-K-K-I. I don't know if you've ever heard of like, like, the like tteokbokki, but it's a really famous like Korean rice cake dish. Mm -hmm. um, but so it's bokki and then Seoul, like the capital of South Korea, and then food. Okay. Yeah. So it's um, you know it's been interesting because we've uh, been developing basically from the ground up. Uh, you know, for lack of a better term, a ghost kitchen, but still trying to you know really put in the work that goes into developing a full service restaurant as far as from the food end. You know, because um, that we don't want to be some just some, you know, food service where it's like, oh, like a generic uh, delivery to your house. You know, we want to be set ourselves apart. You know, we want to be unique, have something for the client to have, you know, that they really look forward to as opposed to, oh, I live in New York and, you know, 
I don't want to drive into shitty traffic for a meal, which by the way, traffic here is terrible. <laughs> I, I never realized that. how bad. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make a couple of comments since I just yeah. left, like within <laughs> yeah. less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. This, the traffic is horrible. And then as I was on the train, because uh, I didn't take a lift to JFK because uh, that was $122. Oh, it's fucking stupid how expensive Lyft and Uber uh, are here. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. but not, I, I sort of can understand that, I guess. But to go a half a mile, to go uh, six blocks was $40 yep, a lift. Yep, yep. And I just thought this I is no longer a good deal. And then, so my friend I had lunch with yesterday said, well, you can download the Curb app and get regular cabs for less. So uh, I did that and I paid logistics. I just wanted to go to Atlantic Terminal because I didn't want to sweat with all my stuff. Yeah. Off. I paid 15 bucks for that up front and they never uh, showed up. So I'm sitting now I got to backtrack on that. But anyway, uh, so, but, it, but from the train, I saw how bad the traffic was. And but I lived in Connecticut for years. Yeah, yeah. Were, I didn't commute to New York, but I know how bad it can be there. I mean, it's the worst, yeah. uh, but that, and then also you mentioned rents before. I mm -hmm. stayed in an Airbnb and it was like a little over 200 bucks a night. It was nicer than I normally would do if uh, I was staying in a room at, it was in a brownstone. Okay. But the woman didn't happen to be there. So I had the whole thing to myself. Oh, nice. Was it in Brooklyn somewhere? It was in Brooklyn on Carlton Avenue. So okay. right, right near Fort Greene Park. Oh, nice. And That's a great. It's yeah. a great area. And so I just happened to, the morning I'm having coffee and I said, so let me see what this place is worth. $3.7 million. <laughs> oh, my God. And it, but, but the thing is, not so much that, oh, my God, this was. was, pardon me? How many square feet do you think it was? More or it less? was just short of 4,000. Oh, but wow. It was three stories. But I. But the, the incredible thing to me wasn't that I was staying in that. I've been in oh. nice places. Where I, the incredible thing to me was that there were so many of them in Brooklyn oh. just like this. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Are they all worth that much? And who can afford to live in these places. So I don't, I don't understand that $3.7 million. And there are comps to support that, you know, that it yeah. just sold. So, wow. So you're talking about, you know, rents being high. there. <laughs> I can't imagine what commercial space. Oh, it's yeah. It's nuts. I mean, you'll, you know, there's, you know, you're talking like tens of thousands of dollars for rent for a know, little place, like a box. Yeah. You know, like a little, 30, 30 seat bistro in Manhattan somewhere. I mean, I think Brooklyn is, you know, overall a little bit better, but not by much. I think yeah. they can, I think Brooklyn is caught up. I don't know. I'm not a New York expert, but I think Brooklyn is caught up and it certainly is beautiful and really nice. And I found it, I find it to be just more peaceful. I mean, as a guy who lives mm. on the Oregon coast, Brooklyn yeah. to me was a little more you know, like Portland. It was yeah. the Manhattan is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, anyway, it was uh, pretty cool. So, um, so when you say you have your, uh, the bulky soul, um, are you doing pop-ups with that now? You said you had. Uh, no, we, we are, we are actually uh, live now um, online for website ordering and um delivery on DoorDash and Grubhub. Mm -hmm. And here in New York, they have also, they have one called Seamless, which Grubhub purchased um, that, you know, those guys run in tandem. 
Um, but uh, we're, yeah, we're pretty grassroots still. We haven't done zero social media, you know, zero marketing. Um, I wanted to start this one slower, like I said, just to, you know, build everything and make sure we're doing things right from the start instead of building the hype and then, you know, just crashing and burning. Right, right. I've, I've yeah. seen that happen before. And yeah. I see where the problem with the hype is it doesn't always, things don't exactly. always live up to the hype. Exactly. At least in the beginning, it takes a while to get up there. So it's very yes. wise to do what you're doing. But how does anybody know about it then if you're doing a soft? Nobody thing? does know about it. Um, it's, it's all word of mouth right well, now. We'll keep it that way on the podcast. Everybody turn yeah. it off right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a challenge, uh, you know, just, catching up to the pace of the city. I mean, everyone's moving at fucking million miles an hour, you know, and I'm, I'm a competitive person, but I, I just, you know, I was not ready for the pace of the city for sure. When I first got here. So, so are you ready yet? Are you ready now? Uh, I, I, I'm almost there. Yeah. Me, for me personally, you're asking. Yeah, no, I mean, can, yeah. are you comfortable with it at this point? I am. I, I am now, yeah. Um, you know, I'd say I'm at about 90%. Um, I still got a, a little little more to learn. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in New York City, if, uh, if you don't fight, you die. That's <laughs> basically what it comes down to. Yeah, Especially, no, I, you know, I can only imagine. Um, no, it's and it's it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. Yeah, yeah. It's known for that. And that's one reason I moved to the West Coast, because I like the pace better. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but there are other things. But still, so that's interesting because huh. I was at Yama Inn with uh, Peter Platt from Andina. I don't know if you know huh. Peter. He is one of the owners, correct? Yes, he's one of the okay. owners. He's one of okay. the younger, the, so the younger folks are taking over the day-to-day -day operation from, from his parents who've run okay. it for years. And okay. you know, they've done a very good job. The restaurant yeah. does very well. But he and I had a, I just wish I had recorded that conversation for the podcast, a very uh -huh. interesting conversation about what the word, the, and I don't have the exact derivation, but he talked about the derivation of the word restaurant, which was to rest. And it comes from France to actually have a relaxing experience. And we were talking about where the pandemic led us. And I, you, you, if you, anybody hasn't listened to this podcast before, you'll hear it now. I have been bitching about eating food out of boxes. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. For I, a long time, just like I can't. Yeah. To me, I, so I understand there's the food costs and, and there's the, the eco economics that go into creating uh -huh. food for takeout. However, yeah. as a consumer, for me to spend X amount of dollars, that for me is to sit down and yeah. have a dining experience, at least where someone's asking me, would you like more water? Yeah. Or would you do, or the ability to order more on the fly, yeah. right? Yeah. Instead of I got to order a day in advance and then just live with it. And yeah. of course, eating out of box is really, it's not the optimum thing, right? You as a chef, yeah. that's not, you have to figure out how to make with, with what you're doing now, yeah. how to make what you're making. So it, it lives in a box and doesn't yeah. die. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a great, you know, uh, thing to ask because yeah, I mean, we, we've done so much research on different, you know, like great example would be our Korean fried chicken that we have on the menu at Boki. Um, Cause you know, we don't want it 
to get soggy, obviously, since we double fry it, you know, put in so much work to get this like beautiful crispy crust on it. And uh, it took probably about a month to find the right box <laughs> finally. And we needed two sizes, you know, it couldn't just be one size because we have a medium and a large size mm -hmm. um, to figure it out. The one with the right vents, because, you know, we found one with vents, but they're either too expensive or we found one, you know, that looked really good and then we got it, but it was fucking impossible to close, you know? And so a lot of work went into just that one thing, you know, that I thought was a waste of time, but, you know, at the end of the day, we definitely needed to do it. It's know? a big part of the experience. I mean, I hardly yeah. back to when I went to Piggins when it first opened, you know, uh -huh. Piggins outside, picked uh -huh. up a beautiful burrata salad yeah. in a box, yeah. took it into my car, and I just kind of gingerly placed it in, and the box opened, and the burrata oh, salad, and the trunk oh, no. of my car. And I think that oh, was my first Jesus. moment where I said, you know what? Yeah, yeah. this. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, I would have been so pissed off. <laughs> yeah, and it's not yeah. their fault, but it is the fault of where we are. It's not the fault. It's the situation where we are with the pandemic. And it so is. I guess I would ask you, you're developing, uh, it sounds like a concept that lives largely through takeout services. or Yes, services. very, very much think, so. But do you think that's where... So I, I guess my question is, is, that's where, is that where we're going to be for quite mm -hmm. a while? I mean, after this pandemic or, you know, we went, I went to a few places yesterday over the weekend that were great mm -hmm. over this week. Or do you also think it's a generational thing? Do you think there's a generation of people who don't care about the social experience of eating? Now, I'll say this. I was at Yamasan the other night and I had this great fun. The bartender was a little younger than I was and we had a great time. But then the bar started filling up and it was all women 27 years old around. That's yeah. what they looked to me. So yeah. they were they really, really enjoying being out and enjoying, <laughs> you know, ordering this. And what should we order? Talking back. There's a little give and take with the yeah. server. And do you what do you think about the future? Obviously, you're investing in the future of this concept. But yeah. do you think they can live side by side or do you think we're largely going one way or the other? Uh, that's a, you know, we'll see what happens, but, uh, we feel that in New York, um, that they, they're going to live together. I mean, you know, people are, I'm sure you noticed, like you said, people are definitely starting to come out more in this city. Um, and you can't really ask for, you know, other than maybe Tokyo for a higher population density to be able to determine, you know, the route of this style of restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think with the pandemic, not necessarily on the way out, but with people getting more comfortable, um, you know, sitting down in restaurants and, you know, socializing. Um, I think that there is going to be a huge growth market for uh, the style of food and the style of service where you, I know that you're not the fan, but, you know, getting your lunch or your dinner in a box. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And we're, and what we're doing is, um, even from a, just a cost standpoint, uh, you know, doing that sourcing, really doing that homework from um, the perspective of a business that, you know, wants to grow um, not just one concept, but like basically create a model to where it's kind of a plug and play where you could take any menu, but that groundwork is there to be able to, you know, 
expand the con scale the concept um you know mainly obviously being the costs um you know being the most restrictive element um and kind of reverse engineer almost the um the business model and so that's what we're trying to do it, may, it makes sense and by the way the fact that it's not what i want now and today yeah. Yeah. It's, it's irrelevant. I mean, I understand. Right. For me, it's like a little moderation. I just don't want that to be the only thing I do for the rest of Right, the right. Yeah, no, no. I think fine dining and, you know, sitting down in restaurants is going to come back strong. And, yeah, and I mean, I, you know, that's something that I eventually want to get back into as well. You know, Superhawk's still on my radar. I don't know if you remember talking about them last yeah. podcast. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's still a dream of mine. So this just happened. This opportunity just happened to come up, you know, first. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> well, home this, and then maybe it'll give you some of the, re the capital you need. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's hard. definitely, definitely a possibility. So, right, so but, um, but it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun though, uh, working here, um, because it's been a long time since I've, you know, kind of gotten my ass kicked and really, really learned, <laughs> you know, things from the ground up and the guys that I'm working with, uh, uh, one of them comes from finance. And so it's been very interesting point of view to, um, to get his advice and, you know, just kind of the way that they operate here. Um, it's very, it's very cut and dry. Um, but it's also very direct, you know, direct. There's no bullshit, you know, it's, it's, it's a yes or a no. There's no, Oh, Portland gray area kind of explain this emotional situation. It's like, no, <laughs> or it's like, yes, no, move forward, you know, and that's it. Like, that's the attitude of the business here. So, so how many partners do you have? Uh, uh, we, so we have, we just, just two. Um, one of them um, actually is we're distant family. Um, and he grew up actually in Portland. You mean, you mean uh, before you started this or since? No, no, no. Uh, before. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So, and then, and then uh, the other, I guess that the other guy is, um, I wouldn't, I don't know if we could call him a partner. He, he basically has access to the real estate that we're in now. Right. Um, like his, you know, his investment group. And so kind of giving us access um, to the kitchen. So he's, a, he's a very silent partner, <laughs> if you will. Well, that's good. So if you have one other partner where you're with whom you're making decisions that mm -hmm. helps you create yeah, it helps you answer black and white questions and then move forward. Yes. So, yeah. because otherwise, that's why I asked if you had nine people, you wouldn't, you would oh, not God. move forward. Uh, no, no, definitely not. Yeah. Or I think I even if you have, even if it was like four, yeah, it would. Be yeah. Like, that's what I meant. If you had more people that would, that would be difficult. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and welcome on board to the right at the fork family, a great new sponsor, Finex cast iron cookware company yes we're delighted and the reason we're delighted is because we're, you know having been in advertising for years i just love the fact that we have a podcast and we have advertisers that we truly believe in anybody who's listening to the podcast knows some of the others that we talk about every week and they're near and dear to our hearts well so is finex because Court, I think you uh, agreed, and I did too. It's almost every day, 
for the last few years, ever since we acquired our Finex cast iron skillets, that we've been using them. Daily. Every single day, there is a use in my family for our 12-inch cast iron pan. And they still look great, and they're easy to clean. And one of the things I like best about this cast iron, and I wasn't a big cast iron user before this, once in a while for some kind of casserole, but I'm frying on this every day, is the smooth surface. It is unlike anything you've ever seen in a cast iron skillet. And of course, that's one of the features that caused Finex to bring cast iron to the fore in the cooking world in the last few years. It's not that it hasn't, cast iron hasn't been around for years, but now it's really become the thing. And Finex is the premium for, as they say, Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. And that couldn't be a truer statement. One of the things I love about my uh, 12-inch skillet, Chris, is not only is it awesome and versatile, you can do so many things with it. It's like a work of art. It's just a beautiful piece of iron. And uh, to know that it was, you know, that Finex is based here in Portland. And in fact, I was just reading, it takes 12 hours and 12 hands to create these beautiful pieces of, again, artwork and great cooking material. Yeah, I leave mine right on my stovetop because it's no reason to put it away. No, it's great. I use it all the time. No I'm lazy. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think you're lazy at all because I do the exact same thing. I want people when they walk into my kitchen to say, oh, wow, you have a Finex. Yeah, they're great. And there's a reason over this past year when I've been watching a lot of chefs like Gabriel Rucker and others doing their home cooking demonstrations on Instagram you, you're always going to see them cooking in Finex. Yep. Uh, here might be the best thing about uh, when you purchase a Finex product is that all Finex products are guaranteed good forever. Can't beat that. Yep. Yeah, no, you can't beat that. And that's a pretty confident statement and business proposition for them to make. Mm-hmm. So find, find all their products at FinexUSA.com. So how are you able to uh, keep your hands in your restaurant in Portland and do this at the um, same time? I mean, that's got to be coming back. I don't know exactly the uh, how that moved along through the pandemic and where it is now, but you can. Yeah. Uh, so Don, Donway's doing really well. Um, Miguel, my sous chef, uh, also who's, you know, cooked with me for over 10 years um, at various places. Um, is the chef de cuisine at Donway now. And uh, he's been doing a great job. Um, he, I think Portland in general, though, is having a critical back of house labor shortage mm-hmm. at this time. And uh, so he's been, you know, he's been hurting for cooks the last month or so. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, things are going, things are going well over there. So uh, having have those two statements, um, how do those two statements mesh? You're a severe back of house shortage of cooks. And oh, oh. <laughs> oh, just business wise. I mean, you know, people yeah. are people are coming back out, uh, sitting in the dining room, you know, more. Um, obviously, with the weather being nicer, we have the long outside table and a couple of tables on the Stark side, a mm-hmm. um, couple of two tops. So that's what I mean by that. But yeah, on on the labor shortage side, not so well. <laughs> the other though right because if someone's right. not cooking so that's what <laughs> yeah. i wonder but but i will say this and, I, and it, i've 
having spent a little more time in Portland, moving around there, but especially in New York, oh my gosh, the uh, the outdoor dining now is so developed. And yeah. I mean, everything's nice. It doesn't look like it's temporary. Yeah, and yeah. It's so, it's so pretty crazy, isn't it? So I think it bodes well for restaurants coming out of this that <laughs> they'll have this. They'll have more seating, and they'll have this entirely different vibe to them. So, um, and certainly also in Portland as well. So I would assume that bodes well in time. But what what you're feeling for? <laughs> well, if someone comes up to you in New York and says, "What the fuck about Portland?" What what, what yeah. is your answer? With my, my answer, uh, my answer is you should still go visit. <laughs> it's yeah. just an answer. Yeah, well, that's I, mean, what, I, that's what, I love what, Portland. So yeah. Um, you know, in, in a way it'll, it'll always be home. I mean, for me personally as a city, um, but, uh, yeah, I think overall people here, they have a pretty positive image of the city, which is, I don't know if that's just because I'm in Brooklyn or, Well, you know, no, I think there's a certain kind of, uh, camaraderie between cities there and uh, sister, uh, sister, brother city, or, or, or I guess, you know, father, nephew, maybe. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and when I said, you know, when I said that before, I'm just cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, Travel Portland is running ads in the New York Times. Which, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, God. Yeah. They're running these big ads. And to me, uh, <clears throat> as an ad guy, they, um, someone may, someone can argue with me. That's fine. But they just lacked strategy. It was instead uh, of yeah, here's yeah. why you should come to Portland. It was here's here's why you should not not come to Portland. So there's a big difference. But they were trying to I don't know. And to me, it didn't say here's why you should come to Portland right now. Yeah. It was you know we had our problems and we're going to be a bridge together. And no, I don't think anybody cares cares about Kumbaya outside yeah. of Portland. The, the, they just want to know that they can go eat great food and still go to great places and, and have access to rivers and mountains. And yeah. they, they miss that boat. You know, that really hasn't changed much. And, and there's really the protesting is down and yeah. restaurants are going to be really happy to have those customers back. They're going to be backwards. Yeah. That's the message they should have put out there. So you, you answered my question by I think saying what they should have said yeah. which is, you know I don't see where it's a real problem it's coming back and that, that, uh, the, the crap isn't happening anymore yeah. um, so I don't know but uh, I, I think I think too that uh, actually I'm uh, curious about your observation since you were just recently on a plane um, I think that people are starting to um, you know and almost on an exponential level in the last month too uh, people are starting to feel much more safer on planes as well well, which is a huge factor. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I don't, I didn't see anything. It, the, the attendance in the airport, the number of uh -huh. people in the airports and the planes would indicate yeah. we're back to what it was. Completely normal. Anyway, and for people, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, people were really uh -huh. good about wearing masks, uh -huh. which I wonder is if as a vaccinated person is necessary, yeah. but I'm going along with, Hey, if this is what we need to do just to do the right thing, I'll do it. And I will say this. This was interesting. I went to a Mets game uh, uh -huh. two nights ago and it was they just opened up City Field to actual they'll sell as many seats as they can, oh, okay. uh, which was great. 
but there wasn't a mask on anywhere there. But on the subway there, everybody's wearing a mask. But then I went in the men's room and I was shocked. I just looked around and I thought, this is where you need to be wearing a mask. And nobody had that. No one had a mask on at all in, in the visit to the men's room. So yeah. I just think we're at a point. I, I haven't been paying attention, but I haven't heard about cases spiking and going up. So I think we're mm -hmm. starting to see it behind us. And that's what people think. They're not as worried as they were. Yeah, exactly. Vaccinations. Yeah, no, here in New, in New York, uh, Chris, I've actually passed by not many yet, but, you know, three or four places where they actually have signs up, um, you know, on the windows where it says if you are fully vaccinated, you're not required to wear a mask anymore. Yeah. Like inside. So, yeah, you know, no, I've, I've seen so. that. And the same, I got the message from City Field the day of the game. <laughs> you're not required to do anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just you can't. Yeah, just that's it. You. Yeah. You don't need to show us your vaccine. You don't need to show us anything. Just come to the game, which I thought yeah. a week ago when I bought the tickets a week or two ago, that was not oh. the case. So, oh, okay. okay. So, it, yeah, it changed pretty quickly. And I think people want to get out now. It's summer. and But I will say that I was really impressed with New York City on how many people were actually wearing masks, either mm -hmm. some on the street, which I'm not sure is necessary, especially if you're vaccinated, yeah. But anytime you went into a place, yeah, there there were everybody had masks on. It was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and people are really good on the train, like you said as well. Um, you know, I, I take a subway every day, and yeah. you know, ninety nine percent of the people, you know, day and night are wearing at least you know in the stations and on the trains themselves um, are pretty good about it. So yeah, no, I I was really impressed when you have so many people with diverse opinions yeah, <laughs> that there yeah. were so many people that were wearing them. So to answer your question, uh, you know, JFK was packed and, you know, people had masks on uh, and I wore a mask and didn't love it from the moment I walked into PDX to the moment I got out of Atlantic, Atlantic terminal to walk to my Airbnb. So I don't, yeah. That's a long way. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a red eye. So I just got to do that. But um, okay. at any rate, so uh, and dining, you know, it felt like it was back to normal. And the restaurants I went to were all packed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's a really good feeling. I was out at Erdaneta last week mm. and that was full. You know, I had a, I had a nice yeah. meal with our friend Gary. Gary oh, you did? Gary. Nice. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that was great. So anyway, that's my impression. And I find it really interesting that there, do you think that your business would have been something you would have been pursuing before the pandemic, before everybody got so used to takeout food? Uh, you mean the business here in New York? Yeah. The, the business. Um, you know what? I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's possible. Um, but yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I don't, I don't think we would have thought about starting the project the same way that we have if right. the pandemic hadn't happened and, you know, this entire kind of attitude shift of the dining public hadn't happened. So that's a very good question. Um, but I don't know the answer to it. And it, <laughs> it did the pandemic also give you the freedom to do that. Whereas then we slowed down a little bit and you didn't, you know, you couldn't be there every um, day. No, actually that was just kind of more life strategy. Um, Dunway actually got busier with the pandemic. 
mm-hmm. because so many people, I think, especially with Asian and Chinese food, make this association of, oh, even if they're not used to ordering delivery, that, you know, somehow Chinese and Asian food in general just travels better and it's yeah. kind of a... More of a takeout well, delivery thing. Also, we, we all think of it as great the next day, too. So that's Oh, exactly. Right. For leftovers. Yeah. yeah so so. Um, business actually picked up. Uh, but with the you've been there quite a, we've been there quite a while. You've had it yeah. quite a while. So you probably matured to the point where, okay, I'm not, no matter where the business is, I'm not yeah. as needed as I was a while ago, you don't, I yeah. don't want to say you weren't needed, but you know, you, you right. Right. Yeah. No, there's, you know, there's a system in place to where whoever is, you know, leading the kitchen, especially. And as long as the front of house is good, that, you know, they could, could be fine without me there. So no, that, yeah. well, that, that's, I think that's the goal of every restaurant owner to get <laughs> yeah. to that point. And if it yeah. isn't, then maybe they need to go for some life coaching. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> to, come, come to New York. Come to New York for some life coaching. That's yeah, for well, sure. <laughs> for a little perspective, too. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, and so had you lived, had you spent much time in New York before this? I forgot. Uh, I've been here a, a, half, a half dozen times. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, never, no, never lived here like this, you know, visit for a week at a time. Right. Um, and usually I would be in Manhattan. Uh, I find it hilarious that, and I never, and I, I never knew this before I moved here. Actually, this time, but people who live in New York City, they don't call they they call Manhattan the city. The city, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea. Like I, about a weekend, my uh, you know friend of mine is like, I'm like, oh, like where are you going? You know, because he's taking the train somewhere, and he's like, oh, I'm going back into the city. I'm like, where are you, <laughs> Maryland or something? And he's like, no, I'm going to Manhattan. And I was like, why did you why did you call it the city? And he goes, because that's what people call Manhattan. <laughs> and I never knew that. But I just find it funny because, you know, Brooklyn's like a borough of what? Like, you know, five million people. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, yeah, it's huge. It's, it's, you know? it's, yeah, it's not only it's I could be wrong, but isn't it larger than Manhattan geographically? Uh, it, it's way bigger than Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Brooklyn I mean, is, is absolutely. I mean, it's like a city state. You know? Right. It's, yeah. So yeah. And um, yeah, because I found that because I was looking at places to stay, and I was like, well, uh, to go from here to here would be five miles. And, yeah. and now knowing that would have been a, a two hundred dollar. Oh yeah, yeah, easy, easy, <laughs> crazy. But I learned my way around the subways and walking. Uh, uh, I did a nice walk the other night, and I will tell you, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to do this if you have the time, uh, but I walked across the Brooklyn bridge. And when I started to get on the Brooklyn side, there's some benches uh, and I just sat there. My phone juice took, ran out on me. So I yeah. couldn't look down yeah. and I just sat on that bench and it was sunset and it was perfect temperature and just started taking in uh, all the activity and the density. Cause you know, I'm yeah. in Manzanita where I, there's not anything close to me basically. <laughs> and, um, it, to me, it's incredible how much is going on, and that it's it's it can't not be a fast pace with all that, mm-hmm. all those people yeah. there, right? So yeah, yeah, no, the like you're saying that you know just the the volume of people here is, you know, I think what for a restaurant city is also a huge factor of why it makes it so competitive is because here, you know, with the volume of people, you have the audience to be able to present it. But if they don't like your product, 
they've, they've got a thousand people behind you that, you know, are ready to, you know, introduce a different thing until they right. find the right one, you know? So you really have to focus on getting it right, consistent, um, you know, and offering a really delicious, um, like experience, whether you're a sit down or, you know, uh, takeout or delivery. Um, but I feel like even more so than, you know, in a smaller market, you really have to hit that uh, quality um, because well, if you don't, your competition's going to kill you. I guess that's because costs are so high because I would say, and not that you're ever going to lower your bar, but mm-hmm. I would say there's so many people you could be, you know, on a scale of one to 10, seven uh, or eight, and just by sheer volume do okay. But you want to grow and you want to pay rent and yeah. do the big things. And if that's the case, then I can see where what you're seeing is saying is valid. If you're in another city where you're, you know, just doing it, I would with so many people, I would imagine it could do OK, but still. Yeah. But you have a lot of competition for social media voice, too. Once you get it, it running, you right. have to have that, too. Yeah, yeah, no, very much so. And so we're, you know, in the process of, we don't have an exact plan yet for social media, but from where I stand, you know, it's pretty much a full-time job, you know? And so we're, we're trying to get um, either an extra person in or, you know, some kind of strategy to where we're not weighed down by, you know, oh, shit, we got to get another post up in like two days, you know, kind of thing. You can't do that yourself. You're just, yeah, no, it's it's insane. well, if you want to keep up with the uh, the quality that you're trying to achieve with your food yeah. and that experience, you yeah. you got to get a professional. I would think. I mean, I don't have a professional, and I just kind of make do. But I know I can yeah. do way better if I had yeah, really knowing what they were doing. Right, but somebody I, demand. Yes. And I'm sure in New York there are a zillion people. But yeah. that's the other yeah. part of it is finding someone that you trust. Right, in New York, and they're not cheap. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. This was not Portland when social media launched in 2012. Yeah. Hey, I'll do your post for you. (laughs) Right. There's all the algorithms and all that stuff. So what are you, are you getting time to enjoy the city and, and Brooklyn and some of the, Uh, not, not so much right now. I mean, we're, you know, I'm working really, really long hours um, at the commissary kitchen, getting everything set up. Um, I had, when I first got here, I had a couple of weeks to explore a bit, um, went up to Queens, ate some, ate some really good Chinese places, um, got to go out, um, over to, you know, different parts of Brooklyn. Cause I'd never been to like Greenpoint or, you know, Prospect Park or, you know, stuff like that and to explore a bit. Um, but, uh, maybe, hopefully maybe later this summer, <laughs> I'll have a little more time to do that stuff. And so, so you must be missing your family terribly. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the, to be honest, that's really the only thing that I like miss, miss. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a schedule figured out to where I'll be hopefully going, you know, back and forth. Um, and I, I'm actually thinking about bringing Egan out here to New York for a couple of weeks later this summer. I think that might be a fun trip. How, how old is Egan? Uh, he turned eight in May. So you could do a little come to work yeah. with me thing and, and make make do. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so oh, I think it, it would be pretty pretty fun. Yeah, well, I that would be great. I hope you can get the time. 
Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, and Ringside, it seems like back to normal at Ringside, but it's even better than it used to be because now, in addition to indoor dining and takeout, you've got beautiful outdoor dining at Ringside, and they just set up a new little area. And uh, as they said yesterday, you can, you've got an old dog learning new tricks uh, at Ringside. So they have some really beautiful space outside, and of course the weather is conducive to that right now. Um, and their hours are Wednesday to Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, opening an hour earlier at 4. And you can order your to-go food uh, an hour before the start of business. So note those hours that I just men- mentioned, and you can pick it up until 9. When you do go to Ringside Steakhouse, if you're, gonna, if you're choosing to dine in, whether that be indoor or outdoor, you want to make those reservations. You can do that through the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, or... I use the open table app, Chris, and that makes it super easy. You just hop on there, you find your time, you find your table, and you're good to go. It's it's a 30-second process at most to get yeah. a reservation at ringside. So uh, think about what you're doing in the next 30 seconds and think about how productive and delicious that can be. And again, if you missed any of the information we just covered, the website, again, is ringsidesteakhouse.com. Do you have any, I didn't warn you of this question, so I might be putting you on the spot, but there, anybody who's coming to New York that would benefit by a couple of your suggestions, places they have to go? Oh, here in New York? Yeah. Um, oh, man, I would definitely say for fine dining. So there's this restaurant called Francie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, they're in Brooklyn um, that, uh, I would definitely recommend. I actually sent, um, you know, Michael Zeusman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually, he was here. Uh, kind of was a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks ago. Um, but uh, recommended that to him. Um, he checked it out. I think he had a pretty good time. I haven't really had a chance to touch base with him yet. Um, I'm trying to think. There was another place where. Oh, Metro Gourmet Deli does a solid breakfast sandwich near my house. Okay. <laughs> That's the kind of my go-to neighborhood bodega spot. Um, that's in, I live in Park Slope in Brooklyn, like right uh-huh. on the border of uh, Park Slope and Goannis. Um, There's some great coffee there too. Uh, so I, I, oh, yeah. I, well, near where I was in the Fort Greene neighborhood, uh-huh. place called Bittersweet. And then the new one just opened up Nostrand uh, right down the street. And that was, uh, okay. Um, you know, actually, uh, one more spot, Chris, is uh, in Brooklyn. Um, I just went there uh, with the DeKalb Market um, is actually really, really cool. Um, there, you know, it's a, it's a food hall and, uh, you know, they have some pretty, pretty solid choices. Um, a couple of uh, Asian, like Chinese places that do dumplings and noodles. They have a ramen restaurant, a donor kebab place falafel place um but really nicely built um you know and very very new york yeah well uh, but, but everybody's like super high quality high execution you know out of the market i was just on the yeah. a, a million times well a few times that's a block from where i stayed oh uh, okay it's a long yes. i'm sure it's a long street but i wish i would have yeah. known although i didn't have a lot of 
ancillary opportunities to go eat. Yeah, it sounded like you had a pretty busy agenda when you came, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I yeah. filled it, and I had some friends that I visited with. So uh, mm-hmm. we went to a place called Peaches that has some southern food right there. That was okay. not – I think it was off Lafayette, too. Okay. So that was really, really good. And then, of course – Grimaldi's and Dumbo, right on the base of the Brooklyn Bridge, which I've been to before, but it's got a zillion locations all over the country. It's still still good pizza, and there was no line. And my objective was to take my friend who'd never been walked the Brooklyn Bridge to take her on that. So so we did that. But yeah, no, I had a full agenda, but my agenda was mostly uh, Peruvian food. Uh, I was there with with my friends at Andina. Yep. to uh, do a little project so um and it was fun so yes and okay. that's cool people too so nice. i highly suggest that i already did but i would suggest if you have some time or some friends who come in town there those are good spots to go too so cool. nice um all right so are you getting back to portland anytime soon uh don't know yet <laughs> I'd, so I'd like to go. Here. This could be months before you pull, pull, before we you pick your head up out of the. It's it's quite possible. Yeah, yeah, it's quite. I may you know take a quick uh, like a short run out there in the next month or two, um, but nothing you know so far. No plans for anything longer than that. Uh, well, you got. I know you have your Sundays off, and I hope you actually mm. to your benefit. So your mental. Yeah, I, I try. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're not spending them picking up what you didn't get done on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I uh, appreciate your touching base with me. It was rather serendipitous, not only because I was in town, but because I needed to schedule someone. I've been since the pandemic. I uh, we used to be scheduled weeks and months out with guests. Yeah. And I find that harder to do now. So but yeah. I've, I've been improvising along the way and doing it. So, um, but I appreciate you doing this on a Sunday. I, yeah, no, no worries. Thanks for coming to my schedule. <laughs> oh, no, I appreciate it. This yeah. is what happens. We just did, yeah. we just interviewed Brooke from Eater on a Sunday. And these are uh-huh. in the last two out of the three weeks in eight years. It's the first time we've recorded the podcast on a weekend. So oh, yeah. you, you nice. do what you got to do. And I'm really, yeah. so, yeah. and that's cool. also, that's also pandemic related too, because we used to always go in the studio as you were. Right. Right. Do, now I just do it. If I'm just recording it in courts. Yeah. Really do you guys, have, do you guys have any uh, line of sight on when you'll get back into the actual studio? Um, not yet. No, we don't. And right now, you know, every time I mention it to court, it says we're not allowed to have guests in yet. And okay. so uh, we may just get better equipment and do it this way. Oh, but yeah. For a while, I was against that because I uh-huh. love the studio. I think there are certain benefits to recording in the studio. Uh-huh. Um, I like looking eye to eye. I'm looking eye to eye with you, but it's yeah. through, you know, through uh, fiber optic cable right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, and I like the idea of going in to record a couple at a time and having court there, doing everything. And now we do it a little differently. Court's not participating in the interview itself, mm-hmm. but we, he puts a lot of it, the rest of it together. So, right. no, there's no uh, timeline. And I've, I actually 
used to ask all the time and I stopped asking. So um, I've learned also, I have a really nice office. I'm looking at the Pacific ocean right now. Yeah. Can't beat that. I'm I'm like, (laughs) okay. with doing it from here. Yeah. Yeah. No, if it, I mean, you know, if it means anything, the lot, like I said, I've been listening to a lot of the, you know, the latest podcast, Chris, and the sound quality, it sounded great. I mean, well, if you, you know, if you don't know, you can't really tell it's, not in well, a, we not listen to them, and every once in a while, it's down. The biggest challenge we have is there's oh. something between Court and me when we do the intros and the commercials. Oh. I sound crappy when we do oh. that, but with you, it's sounding okay. But we've talked about, uh, all right, this may be the way we do it, so we need to upgrade. Oh. But the, here's the challenge with that. Oh. it's We're only as good as the guest is. So oh. if we're asking our guests, to also record on their end through some different means other than Zoom. Uh-huh. We're now setting ourselves up for more technical problems. <laughs> so, so anyway, there are people who do it, I know, but this has been working for us. Well, you know, when I first started after the pandemic started, I was using a phone on speakerphone and recording with another phone. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we, that. Oh, my before God. Before we got on the Zoom bandwagon uh-huh. and then, Zoom, I, the thing I like about it is I can see your smile. I can, yeah. I feel like I, we're at least have some connection. Right. I just don't like phone interviews as much. Plus, yeah. I always have this feeling that someone's playing poker. You know, oh. I can't see them. At least I know they're paying, they're, they're in the interview. So, yeah. Uh, and I can't, and I can't imagine a phone interview. The audio quality is very good, right? I mean, especially for, podcast no not a cell yeah. phone interview but i mean that was that happened in late march of 2020 oh, like, okay. oh we're gonna do this series and i didn't even know about zoom then yeah so, uh, and court we were still trying to figure it all out but no this is i'm glad you say it sounds great I, and here's the other thing i'm sure when it doesn't sound great people are mm-hmm. a little more forgiving nowadays because yeah, definitely used to watching interviews on tv that are cutting out all the time uh, so this is all new that, you know, yeah. we have to live with this technology that we have. But <laughs> I'm so glad for the technology because it allowed us to do this, right? We yeah, wouldn't have been for doing sure. this. Um, you know, a few years ago, I was telling everybody who said, well, can, can I call it in? Nope, you got to come into the studio. That's the way it works. Yeah. So yeah. Now it's a little different. Same thing with restaurants. Can I do takeout on that? No, nope, we don't do takeout. Well, yeah, now you're going to figure out how to do it. <laughs> yeah, now yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, <know> you are. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So listen, really cool to check to be able to check in with you. I, I think what you're doing is fantastic. Do you have a second concept in the works that you're? Uh, we've we've got. I have a few ideas, but uh, nothing rocks. Nothing out. you can talk about. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, yeah. All right. So. Well, we'll look forward. Is there anywhere that anybody can, where so they can find if they want to eat your food right now? Uh, yeah, um, you can actually, you know, you can actually go to, uh, Bookie Soul. It's B-O-K-K-I-S-E-O-U-L.com mm-hmm. and, uh, check it out. And, you know, like I said, we're technically kind of open. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're on the delivery platforms and we're, you know, you'll, you'll hear more about us for sure in a couple of weeks. Well, um, but I think kinda... most of our listeners are in Portland, so you're not in jeopardy. Oh, right, you're... right. And the other thing is there are some in New York. So I think yeah. this is a good spot to just release. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Could, could, yeah. But yeah, if you go to the website, you know, you can check it out. Um, and obviously, you know, if you Google book soul food, it'll pop up and uh, you know, you can kind of 
watch the, the beginning of a brand new restaurant unfold. That's cool. <laughs> and also because yeah. you're doing this, when it when people Google it, you're gonna sh- the the podcast will show up so people will hear about it if oh, they nice. listen to it. Yeah, yeah. So cool. there's a little second, you know, awesome. one of the things I've always been all about is the multimedia experience for people. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's great. So every time we have an event, I can I can send people a podcast with that chef whose food yeah. they're about to eat. So cool. I, I like that. So at least in this case, there's a little a broader dimension dimension yeah. to what you're doing because people may be able to find that, but they're not going to know who you are, and they're right. not going to they're not probably not going to know how to pronounce your name. So <laughs> yeah. That was always a challenge for me. I think I had to ask somebody else, or did I ask you when you came in? To, I think you um, asked me on the phone one once. Yeah, somehow. give me the yeah. correct pronunciation because when you only read something, yeah, you only know what you know. So it's Kai. Yeah. It's really simple. Yeah. Um, uh, but I so yes again. I thought we were ending this a little while ago, but I carried it yeah. on. I appreciate your sticking with it. And yeah. um, thanks for having me again. You're always a great friend. You've been complimentary and uh, Facebook always said nice things to me. And I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right on. All right, man. Oh, well, good to talk to you, Chris. Good talking to you. And thanks. And we'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Right. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right